This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. We're talking real money. We need to talk. We need to talk about gold again. Because apparently a bunch of you are still buying gold. And I need you to stop. For your own good. Gold is not an investment. I don't believe that. Never have. An investment is something that can grow more valuable over time. Can an ounce of gold get bigger? Uh-uh. But let's talk about gold, the, the whole business of trading it. Do you know, and if you're under the age of 50, you probably don't, that gold has only been legal to trade, to own, to buy and sell in the United States for 45 years. It Up until 1975, from the Depression... Up until 1975, you couldn't own or trade gold. So the history of gold, while you can look at a long-term history, actually pulling up charts of gold, because gold was locked in at $35 an ounce. I think it was 35 for such a long time. Uh, the history of gold price fluctuation is just 45 years. And a bunch of scientific minds including a Professor Harvey from Duke University and a couple of other folks, just published a paper, and it has a really long name, Gold, the Golden Constant, COVID-19, Massive Passives, and Deja Vu. It's a paper at SSRN. But the point of the paper, you don't have to read the whole thing. These guys looked back at the real inflation-adjusted price of gold back to 1975. And they found that today, the inflation-adjusted price of gold is at one of the highest levels it's ever been. And their research found that every time, the past two times, that gold has been nearly this high, January 1980 and August of 2011, over the next five years, the price of gold plunged. The highest inflation-adjusted price for gold was in 1980. And five years after that, gold dropped 55%. That was the number. The, the inflation-adjusted price dropped 67%. And from 2011, the inflation-adjusted price dropped 33%. That does not mean that it's necessarily going to plunge again. But when you add a couple of things together, one, gold does not make people money long term. And it's at a very high inflation adjusted price. The highest it's been since, is that the highest? Let me look at the chart again. It's almost at the, yeah, it's pretty close to the highest it's been, inflation, inflation adjusted. So 
Uh, it, it's really close to 2011. I can't really tell exactly from the chart, but it's darn close. So what you're doing now, if you're betting on gold, you're making what historically has been a really terrible bet. And those of you who have been around for a while, I want you to remember back to 1980 and the economic situation in 1980. It was inherently problematic. The U.S. economy had serious internal functional problems. Today, the U.S. economy doesn't have those same internal fluctuations built in. These are external fluctuations. These are not faults with the economy necessarily. I mean, there are faults. There are always faults with economies. But these are driven by an external force called a virus. And to think that that is likely to continue for years or or more is stretching it a little. So I would say be very, very careful. If you've been buying gold and you've got a profit, nothing wrong with taking a profit. And if you've been thinking about buying it, remember, it's a terrible, terrible investment. Do you have questions about money, about how to manage it, how to make more of it, how to avoid getting ripped off, how to build the right portfolio, all that kind of stuff? Well, you need to let us know what those questions are. We answer them on the podcast or on the Saturday show, and you can call us 24 hours a day at 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255, or go to TalkingRealMoney.com slash contact, type in your question, or speak it and record it with a little mic button. We're going to go to a written question now, and it's a really, 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 really long one, Craig. (laughs) You know who you are. All right, here's the subject. Adding VTWAX, the Vanguard Total World Stock Index Fund, slash VT, the ETF version, to an already diversified portfolio. Actually add diversification or just duplication. Hi, Don. Loved the class and really enjoyed your time on Stacking Benjamin. So did I. It was really fun. I hope you do more of that. It's up to them. (laughs) Let them know you want me back. I do have a question that I put in chat during the class, but I put it in there as you guys were ending. Yeah, I didn't see it. My non-retirement investment account with Vanguard is pretty well diversified, loosely following Merriman's recommendations. I just got off the phone with Paul a minute ago. Weighted a little more heavily towards small cap than he recommends, but well within my risk tolerance. He got a 78 on risk quiz. House is paid off. I make about 200 grand a year and currently max out my HSA Roth 401k and after tax that converts to my Roth 401k quarterly mega backdoor. He's doing a backdoor thing. Bringing me to 56k annual max. Wow. Well, just stop. You're done. What do you need? How much money do you need, Craig? Roth IRAs for my wife and I, a little behind where I should be as I just turned 49 last week, so I'm catching up a bit. I have almost 300K in my 401k, 60K in the Roth IRA, 20K in the HSA, the health savings account, and about 130K in Vanguard. Not where I should be, but hoping to retire at around 60, so I've still got 11 or 12 years to build it up. You're doing really well. 
I am well diversified in my 401k and HSA with international about 40% and have my non-retirement investments spread across the funds below. He has a list. So I have decent international exposure with the world's small cap developed markets and emerging markets. That makes up about 28% of my portfolio. We're getting there. And most new money I am putting in is building the all-world small cap and small cap value funds. My question is, as I add new money, does it make sense to just continue with this diversified spread and dollar cost averaging money evenly per my allocation strategy, or would it make sense to add VTWAX to the ETF equivalent? Not sure it makes sense to add another fund when I have the diversification spread I have now but it seems like a clean and easy way to take care of the fund and create further diversification in areas where I may not have much in place or hadn't considered. All right. <laughs> All right. Here's what he has. 15% in the all-world small-cap ETF at Vanguard. 8% in the emerging markets ETF at Vanguard. 5% in the developed markets international at Vanguard. 15% in the U.S. small cap value, 21% in the U.S. small cap blend. These are all ETFs. 12% in the mid cap growth, 12% in the small cap growth, and 12% in the Vanguard value. And about 35% in the bond portfolio, about 35,000. That's not percent. So, so you've covered the basis really have covered the bases. I do agree with you that you're a little bit on the riskier side of the scale. So adding a VT or a VT wax, since you're all ETFs, might as well make it VT, would fill in, it would, it would add more blue chip, larger cap, which you're missing. You don't have well, you do. You have the large cap blend, so that's 21. It's actually in overseas markets that you're missing large cap developed markets. Ooh, I might look at the the Vanguard Total International uh, to add some money to, or I would probably crank up. I'd, I'd start to add some weighting to the Vanguard Developed Markets Index because otherwise... You're really well diversified. You're a little heavy U.S., so you could stand to add to that developed markets. You got a lot in the uh, in the all-world small cap. Yeah, I think that that might not be a bad idea. Just I think the really the place you're missing equities is in the large cap overseas. So probably just add to the VWO. All that writing for that little answer. Thanks for the note. Send notes to us at TalkingRealMoney.com slash contact. Call 855-935-TALK or at TalkingRealMoney.com slash contact. We now have a microphone button, which allows you to really easily send me a question that actually most of the time sounds really, really good compared to a phone call. Like, say this one. Hi, Tom and Don. I'm 55 and a half years old. And my son and his fiancée, within the next 6 to 12 months, uh, will be 
planning a wedding as well as purchasing their first home. They are both employed. My income includes uh, military retirement, VA disability, and I'm currently working for the government. My investments include TSP, $300,000, which I'm maxing out TSP as well as TSP Ketchup. I have a Vanguard Roth IRA of $100,000 and it's maxed out for 2019 as well as 2020. I have a Vanguard brokerage account with $5,000 in it, which I put in $1,000 to $1,500 a month into that account. Should I put that $1,500 a month into just put it in a savings account for them? Or should I continue to put it into their brokerage account? And when the time comes, uh, give them that money out of a savings account or brokerage account? Or should I pull it from my Roth IRA? Uh, none of these investments I will need to live on in the future. Uh, so they will all be uh, my son's inheritance. So that's my question. Thanks. All right, Dad. Proud father of a soon-to-be-married kid. Congratulations. You didn't say. Are you planning to give him the whole 500 k That's kind of what was implied in the Vanguard brokerage account. Be careful of a couple of things. Yeah, you don't have to be too careful. But do bear in mind the gift tax. But you can also just deduct against your lifetime estate exemption. So either way, it's not that big a deal. Um, whether you should put the new money into savings or not really truly depends on what the needs are and the time frame for those needs. Any money that you're going to need within the next year or two for either a house down payment or they're going to need or wedding bills or whatever it might be that I would keep in some kind of a safer account, whether it's a short-term bond-funded Vanguard or um, a uh, you know shorter-term CDs or a, a, a savings account at one of the internet banks where you can get one or more percent. Money that's going to be kept by the kids or you for the long haul for estate purposes, for example, uh, you can you know, keep that in the brokerage account and build the right diversification for the purpose. If it's for your kids, then get them to go take a risk quiz at TalkingRealMoney.com and then allocate it appropriately for them. You, If you don't give it all to them, you might want to consider gradually gifting it over the course of many years. Both, If you have a spouse that's with you, both you and your spouse can gift. And you can give to both your your son and future daughter-in-law. Or, um, you know, if you give it to them, just give them the talk about investing it for the long haul and get it into Roth IRAs and long-term investments. So, uh, wow, you've done really, really, really well. Congratulations. And congratulations to the kids. And please, anytime, if you've got a question, let us know. 855-935-TALK. Or go to TalkingRealMoney.com slash contact. Last question for the day. The topic is retirement accounts. 
My company match on my 401k is pretty strong. They match 10%. It's pretty good. I currently put in 12% and they match 10. It's free money. I love that. I would ideally <laughs> like to get 15 to 20% of my own contribution instead of 12. Okay. My question is, am I better served putting all 20 into my 401k, which is managed by Fidelity Financial Engines, which means fees, or should I put 10 in my 401k to get the match? Yes, absolutely. Always do that. And the other 5 to 10% in an IRA. Uh, and he goes on to say, additionally, I have an old 401k that doesn't have a lot of money and I don't contribute to it anymore that's managed by Edward Jones. Can you tell me what's the best way to, distri to distribute my money? Okay, let's start with the old 401k at Ed Jones. One, you're going to get that out of there and you're going to move it into a low-cost IRA, either with Fidelity or with Vanguard. You need to do that. You need to roll that out of there. Uh, I guarantee you your fees are higher than they should be if you, have it, if you have it at Edward Jones. As for the other, I would love to see you do this. Put the additional 5 to 10% into an IRA, yes, because you'll have some other options. You'll have some other investment options. But put it in a Roth IRA. Because if you have a regular 401k, that money has to be taken out and taxes paid on it eventually. The Roth never does. So it gives you a really powerful estate planning tool and tax reduction tool if you end up with more money than you need in retirement. So give yourself flexibility. Do the 10 or even the 12 in your 401k. The rest, take that, open a Roth IRA, again with whomever, whether it be Fidelity or with Vanguard, use their lowest cost index funds. They have uh, total market index funds. At Fidelity, you have to use a U.S and an international to get your equity exposure. At Vanguard, you can just do it with VT Wax, the Vanguard Total World Stock Index, or the VT Fund, ETF. But do do the two. Get more, more diversification is good. More flexibility is good. So that's what I'd do. Thanks for the note. And thank you all for all of your participation. As this is the Friday podcast, that means Saturday... Tomorrow, if you're listening on Friday, the 7th is going to be a live show. Tom's back from vacation, so the two of us will be together. And you can call in questions and actually engage in live conversation with us if you call the 855-935-TALK number between the hours of noon and 2 Pacific or 3 and 5 Eastern. Fill in the blanks in the middle. You can do that math. Okay? So be a part of the show. If you have the big questions, the, you know, the ones that require a lot of time, you've got a really complicated portfolio like Craig, uh, you might want to set up an appointment with one of our advisors to have them help you go through it and determine where this should be and that should be and where they, you know, just have it looked at. Get another opinion. The nice thing about the way we do it is, and we don't like calling them free consultations. We call them free meetings. Because when you think free consultation, you know you're going to get sold something, right? Oh, they're going to push. They're not going to give you any, they're not going to give you any information upon which you can act. 
they're going to get you to, to come back in later and you know buy their other stuff. We don't do that. Yes, we do manage people's money and we charge them to do it. But we don't need to push you into doing anything. If you need help, you'll know you need help. If you don't need help long term, then you don't need help. It's that easy. So just go to vestory.com, V-E-S-T-O-R-Y.com, or talkingrealmoney.com, and then there's a, a little calendar place where you can make a meeting there. You'll find it. Okay? Free. No obligation. No sales pitch, I promise. Thanks for listening. Tell everybody that this is one of the few places in the country where you're going to get the straight scoop. We're not going to lie to you. We're not going to blow smoke up your dress. We're not going to play games because your money is too important to play with. Thanks for listening. I'm Don McDonald. Talking real money. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for educational and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately, consistently predict the future. So, past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Vestry, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. That should keep the lawyers happy.